Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey, Matt. We're live in action. How are you, man? I'm really good, man. It's good to see you. I uh, it, it feels like we're kind of in a good rhythm right now. Last few episodes have been pretty awesome. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun, you know, people to talk to, and then we've done some of our own catch-ups, and uh, yeah, it's been really fun to see the, the, the response to some of the episodes. We've been enjoying, I think, a, a, like an uptick, really, so hopefully people are, are still enjoying us babbling on about uh, booze and watches. Totally, totally. Yeah. And big shout out and thank you to Balash and Mike from uh, from Fratello, Wesley from Standard H. You know, it's been uh, very good to kind of have have folks that will, you know, shout us back. And so we appreciate that. No, that's absolutely right. So, you know, I think when we set out to do this thing, it was all about, you know, giving us a chance to, you know, hang out with each other and, and talk and and then also hopefully a chance to expand and reach, you know, other people sort of in the watch you know, community. And it's been fun to do that, right? We've been doing it locally. We've been doing it sort of, you know, even further than just around Southern California. So, you know, it continues to be a lot of fun for us to do. And um, yeah, really been loving it. No, absolutely. In fact, um, on that note, just a, a, a very quick detour, just a, uh, a special hi to, you know, uh, watch dude, local guy here in Southern California, Alan D. I won't use his last name, Alan. What's up, man? If you're listening, I uh, had an opportunity to meet this guy, Alan. He is a TG and Slack crew supporter guy and was looking to check out a watch that I was able to borrow from yet another friend in the community. We kind of met up for coffee, met for the first time. And it's just one of those things where, you know, for a thousand thousandth additional data point to show, you know, that the, the community in quotes, uh, as much as we sort of joke about it or roll the eyes or whatever, it's very real. It's very fun. And, uh, that is kind of the good part of social media and the podcast and all that stuff is just getting an opportunity to meet people. Well, you come for the watches and you stay for the people, right? We said the words. Exactly. TM. (laughs) Uh, so what's new in your world? What's happening? Dude, you know what? I, uh, a lot of work. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm closer and closer. I'm in aviation terms. I'm at the initial point. I'm about to, uh, start throttling down and intercepting the localizer for glide path for my trip. <laughs> uh, we will probably, I guess we'll probably have to talk about this really, whether or not we're going to have maybe a, uh, a two or three week enforced hiatus, or if we'll be able to, to drop in an episode between now and then, cause I'll be gone for a minute. Yeah, maybe we'll throw a couple in the can or usually at this point in time, if I'm out of pocket, you usually take the opportunity to invite somebody really cool on that I don't get to talk to. So maybe I'll maybe I'll return the favor. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, it was actually I was going to suggest that <laughs> there's probably a few things you could queue up, get uh, get our pal David Driscoll on again. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun people we have uh, that we've been, we've been meaning to talk to and and even, you know, put a few of them, like you said, teed a few of them up. So um, oh, we'll totally, see. totally, we'll see. totally. 
not a bad thing to to take a break either. So um, we'll just uh, stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> stay on the edge of your seats. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. How about you, man? Anything new? Anything exciting? Ah, oh, you know, a lot of the same work, you know, a lot of work stuff, of course. Um, AYSO soccer is starting up, so that that tends to take over a good chunk of of our free time for the next uh, you know, two ish months. Um I was just I was commenting off air with you earlier. It's incredible the amount of homework my second grader has. <laughs> so I'm just uh it's sort of and, and, you know, it's not like she's at the point where I can, you know, say go off and do your homework. There's a lot of there's a lot of handholding there and sort of supervision. So basically I have a lot of homework these days, um, which is an interesting thing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Getting the, the kids are, are fully, you know, into school mode. we got soccer starting up. Um, work, work is just in high gear. Um, actually, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that earlier you're away. And then I think when you get back, we have a, a couple of weeks where we're together again, and then I'm going away um, in November. And so, we'll have to talk about how we want to line that up, but I'm just thinking ahead to just kind of getting ready for another trip myself, which will be a very fun trip uh, for a wedding, a destination wedding. And the kids will stay home for that. So I'm the eyes are on the prize much like yourself. Oh yeah, man. That sounds great. Destination wedding, little, uh, maybe a day or two or three with the Esposa, leave the kids at home. That could be cool. Yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to it. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of what's new. Um, there's been some watch news, right? There's been some, some, uh, unfortunate, you know, news of, uh, of, uh, you know, so, you know, passings of folks that a, a lot of us, I think, uh, you know, respect and, and, and admire. So there's a lot for us to talk about today. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. I, I, Normally, this is the time where I would snarkily ask you, "Hey, man, you heard any good Bathyscaphe jokes?" But, um, <laughs> but it's going to be a completely different thing, S- similar but uh, different. But we'll, That's right. we'll talk about that. But before we do that, man, let's do the uh, the wrist check, poor check. What have you got on deck? Okay, in the glass is what would have been this past month. So I guess August's <laughs> offering from uh, Megay Malate, which is uh, the subscription mezcal. Um, that I talk about pretty frequently on there. You've had the opportunity to try a number of these um, super high quality um, mezcal, mostly almost always mezcal. Um, and they come in, a, basically you get a, a bi-monthly, every other month delivery of two, three seventy-five. So you basically get like a bottle of booze every other month. Um, and it's two different varietals. This happens to be a Ceniso uh, from Durango. And the mescalero's name is Luis Carmelo Vasquez Escabedo. And this thing clocks in at 50.2%. Um, but this is an easy drinker, man. Um, Ceniso from Durango, Ceniso in itself is, is to me just a very, not quite like an Espadine from Oaxaca where it's sort of, you know, you know what to expect. But with a Ceniso, I think it's pretty, it's pretty clear what you're getting. And it's very uh, also of Durango. So it's a, it's like a sort of a signature varietal from that region. And, um, as you can tell, I've, I've hit this one pretty good. Um, I've been enjoying it and, uh, I highly recommend it. So, um, I know you've had a few of these as well. They're, they're great. Yeah, that's good stuff. You mentioned, uh, Espadine and even I know what that's supposed to taste like. That's good stuff. So I'll have to try the one that you've got right now. Cause that would be something that's new for me. I'll save some for you. And I have a Ceniso from another Mescalera, a, a female producer 
uh, also from Durango, um, and actually from the same town, I believe, which is Nombre de, de Dios. Uh, so we could put them side by side, and I think you could see the differences in them. And, uh, you know, even though they're of the same place, same agave, you know, hand of the maker kind of thing, right? Yeah, right on. So that's in the glass. Highly recommended. And on the wrist, if you haven't paid attention to the the episode title or you've quite frankly been doing more important things with your time than paying attention to watch media, uh, I wore this uh, sort of as a part of our discussion this evening. I have the Moonswatch Jupiter and it's on this perpetual straps, uh, black strap with a with an orange stripe. I have a few of these perpetual straps. I really like the orange digital camo one, quite frankly, the best. But uh, this one dresses it down, like, kind of tames it down a little bit. It's a little bit more, you know, sort of normal without being sort of so loud. And we're still in summer mode here, right? I have a lot of uh, orange on stuff right now. Orange rubbers, orange, even some orange leather. So I, I wanted to break off of having too much stuff on orange. And uh, when we fully get into like fall football season, I'll move stuff back onto leather and suede, but pretty much everything's on like rubber and bracelet right now. So, uh, but anyway, the Moonswatch Jupiter, um, which leads us, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing. Dude, that looks really good. And I, I like just about, especially at this time of year, anything that's kind of like light metal on orange. So I have a, a client who's got a, uh, you know, the Platinum Yacht Master on the orange um, Everest. It looks bitching, man. It's so, so good. Cool. And and, and yeah. even like non, yeah, non-watch nerds even pointed out. They're like, oh, that's whatever you're wearing is cool. It's like it pops, right? Like I've got a, I've got some leather or uh, orange Epsom leather from Delugs on my DeVille right now. And uh, I've got orange strap habit on the, on the Balsal Ocean Moon. Uh, lots of orange. I mean, and every time I wear it, somebody's like, what is, what are you wearing? And even if you don't want to bring attention to it, it just grabs their attention. Yeah, well, I've got that orange Hermes on the um, my white uh, date just. That's and good. That, that looks really cool. And I I also have an orange uh, Everest for my white dialed Explorer too. Ugh, so so good. Um, yeah, orange definitely like the color of the summer in in our opinion. So, um, yep. but yeah, that's on the wrist and in the glass, man. How about you? Well, dude, I was very tempted. I mean, you know, it was probably a little too on the nose to wear my bathos gaff. I was tempted ah. to do that. And um, I was this close and people, you know, I'm, I'm holding the the thumb and index finger like a half an inch apart. But I I had a Blanc Pond wrist check last episode. So I figured rather than do that two times in a row and make it obvious, I just have uh, Omega Seamaster 300. This is a Seamaster professional. Some people call this basically it's the modern 2018 bond update. This is the uh, Seamaster 300M black dial. And I have it on the excellent black uh, OEM rubber from Omega. It's just a, a fantastic strap. Uh, it's just a Seamaster 300M. No, no big deal. No, you know, well, you know what I mean? It's, it's, I, I'm just playing. Yeah, not, not, yeah, not to talk <laughs> it down, but it's a, yeah, it's we a were talking fantastic on- watch. Oh, it's, it's amazing. I had that. You, 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 you graciously had it on loan with me for, I probably had it for about a week and a half, two weeks, maybe, maybe longer. Uh, and I've had it once before. Anyway, I love that watch. Uh, big fan of it. Probably would love to have one myself. Um, and we were talking offline with sort of our couple of our, our buds. Um, OEM Omega rubber is just stellar. And I'm still really jonesing to get like the, uh, the Aquaterra rubber on, on the Railmaster, maybe, but, um, OEM It'd Omega be, rubber. 
it would be really cool to see if it fits right because yeah. it's the kind of the specialized end links right but they're so good yeah i like them a lot i got to see the uh the summer blue Aquaterra. Mm. Have we talked about that on air yet? We I don't know. I don't, maybe not. Cause that was maybe about not. two weeks ago. I got to take a look at that thing in the metal and, um, the local AD is, is been kind enough to say, Hey, you know, the next round that come in, if you can have basically first right of refusal, I've very much not made up my mind yet. Um, you know, coming off of a, another watch purchase and then a, a very expensive, you know, trip with the fam and stuff might, might not make a lot of sense before the holidays to do a big watch purchase, but um, the Aquaterra, the rubber straps on the deployant, they're so good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Omega just does straps. I mean, they're not cheap, but they're, they are very, very good. Absolutely. So that's what's on the wrist. That's the, the Hangelenks controller. I guess that term is retired now. So maybe well, we can take it or the, whatever. What are they? What's the new one? Kite, kite, kite. Oh check? man. No, Kettle check. kite. Kettle kite, kettle kite. I, I told those guys. I said, "Listen, whoever leads off, just go with the, you know, the the geo, the geo, geo tag, the the wrist check, and just whoever leads off, go with one or the other, and use both still." But it's okay. I get it. Yeah, Balash is still in Germany. I think you can do that. But yeah. if they're if they're going to leave it by the roadside, I'm picking it up. You know, one wow. man's uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. I like the Hangelinks controller. It had character. <laughs> but did. in the glass. Let's uh let's raise him up for Jimmy Buffett. If you do not basically you do not get lost in Dacaritaville, you do not get lost in Bloody Maryville, you get lost in Margaritaville. This is a margarita. This is uh made with Fortaleza Blanco. This is basically my favorite Blanco tequila for sipping. It's gotten hard to find lately. Um, it has. But uh with with good reason, it's excellent tequila. And this I did not have any uh like coin trow or whatever. So I've got some dry curacao as a, a little float. And uh pretty good, you know. A decent amount of fresh lime in here, got the lime garnish, got the salt. We miss you, Jimmy Buffett. I was not a huge fan, but there was no uh no doubt that that guy was a, a massive impact on the lifestyle that is very much, um, you know, in the same sort of arena of, that we kind of discuss and the, the affectation that I do on the weekends with the grill, I'm wearing the new Hawaiian shirt and I'm proud of it. So here's to Jimmy Buffett. Damn it. I almost wish that we coordinated cause I should have made a margarita. That would have been way too perfect. Um, but, uh, Jimmy Buffett was awesome. You know, it's funny. I, I think it's, I don't, for people who know me well, I guess, I don't know that they would have known that I'm a pretty big Jimmy Buffett fan. I've been to several shows. Um, and, uh, you know, it's always funny, the cross the cross section of people who go to a Jimmy show. It trends older, obviously. But when you go to a show, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty it's a more diverse crowd age wise than you might expect. Um, and and it's a lot more of a party than you might expect. I, so I was having a talk about this very thing with Ryan at Overtown, Overtown Brewing in, uh, in San Gabriel Valley, Monrovia, California is where they're located. That's where we had our spirit of time, uh, meetup last year with our, uh, barrel aged beer. They did that for us. And he was, he basically, I went in there last weekend 
and their playlist overhead on the music, the ambient music was all Jimmy Buffett, you know, and sort of in tribute. And he was saying, you know, that he'd gone to a number of shows and he said exactly what you said. So I've never been to a live Jimmy Buffett show. And he was like, yeah, kind of it trends older trends, you know, kind of affluent. It's a certain sort of vibe. People get their hours early. It's basically a tailgate thing. And by the time he's playing, it's pretty sloppy. Like the crowd can be pretty sloppy. <laughs> it really and, can. Man, yeah. I believe it. So it's, I've never seen people tailgate with um, sort of the, the real like commitment and dedication to decoration. I mean, tiki bars, just bringing in pounds and pounds and pounds of sand and just, it's crazy. Life towers. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really something. And, um, you know, I grew up, uh, with a friend whose dad was a big parrot head. And so when we would go to his house and swim, there would always be Buffett on. And so I think I just started to, I just started to permeate a little bit. And then me and my uncle really connected over Buffett. And so we would go to shows and we would talk about it a lot and we would play it together. And so it just sort of became something that I just associated with sort of like time off, you know, or time relaxation or, and then quite frankly, it's probably the closest I get to country. I'm willing to admit that it does straddle country as a genre from time to time, depending on what he's playing. Sure. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it was a blast. It, they were really, really fun shows. Um, and he is a well-documented Rolex, uh, enthusiast. So he's a watch guy. He's a watch fam. Yeah, totally. And, uh, airplane fam too. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he owned one. I mean, I know his net worth was quite high. So um, I read so recently, could, I didn't realize how high it was. You're right. It was quite high. I think he was, I think he was a billionaire. Um, and you knew you and I, a lot of people probably know you at Margaritaville restaurants and hotels, et cetera. Um, uh, with last time I visited, uh, over the fourth with my family and I was with my uncle, he was telling me that he was considering moving to a Margaritaville community in South Carolina. Get out of here. Um, to, and it, I don't think it's the only one. I mean, straight up real estate development communities fully programmed. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's strictly senior. Well, I think there is an age cutoff. I don't think they want young kids there. I don't think they really want families per se. So I, I hesitate to call it senior living. My uncle's not a senior, but I, there's definitely an age cutoff where they really expect it to be certain, you know, a certain age range, but I'm telling you like legit straight up. I looked at the, you know, the glossies and the collateral. I mean like real estate, commercial, you know, commercial real estate developer, entrepreneur. It's crazy. I didn't realize really the breadth of his sort of business um, empire for better, back of a better word, I guess. Dude, is this something called Latitude Margaritaville? Is that the one in South Carolina? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've had, I'm basically, I'm having to dig for it here, you know, in the yeah. old uh, Google machine, but um, I'm not going to open it up and go through it while we're on the pod here, but it's I'll have to look it. at that. That must be a blast. But yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a number of pictures and I I haven't done the research to find out, but my assumption is again given his his pursuits and uh, you know, his affinity basically for you know, the Gulf Coast, Southeast sort of uh, Atlantic Coast and the Caribbean. My understanding is I think, you know, he might have had something like a uh, a Grumman Albatross or or something similar. You know, I mean, that would be if I, of all of my sort of, I, I hit the Powerball, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars fantasies, 
that would certainly rank right up there, you know, to buy a, a really like a fully restored and cherry, you know, PBY Catalina or a, a Grumman Albatross, a flying boat. And, uh, just basically use that thing as like a, a flying RV where some people do like, you know, overlanding and, and, you know, backwoods camping, you know, on their trucks and stuff like that. I would just basically, you know, have a couple of uh, sandy bottom anchors on lines and just fly these things out to little, you know, atolls and keys and stuff like that. And just fish and dive and, and just chill. The weather gets bad, fly away. I mean, that's what Jimmy Buffett, what would Jimmy Buffett do? Um, it was interesting. There was a lot of people, a lot of musicians that came out obviously and sort of like paid their respects or, you know, share their condolences. It was really interesting. I mean, like, you know, the Paul McCartney's of the world and all these stories were coming out that I, I just hadn't, maybe I wasn't privy to, or I didn't pay attention to I think one of them actually was, he was, he might've been flying to your point or he was in a plane, but I think he might've been flying. I think he's with Bono. And they were flying somewhere sort of like a little bit, you know, unfamiliar. I want to say like, you know, Nicaragua or Cuba or something just, you know, maybe just a little bit different. And uh, they didn't know who he was. And, and, and the air control tower was trying to get in touch with him. They couldn't, you know, maybe they couldn't communicate well. And sort of like, I think when he landed, they kind of like, kind of, you know, raced the plane, you know, you know, kind of got got kind of kind of got from a little aggressive and then realized who he was instead of sort of being like sort of like oh i'm this big like star or whatever he was just kind of like hey it's no big deal like you know you didn't know and i think he wrote a song about it afterwards <laughs> you know like it was crazy yeah what an amazing life man what an amazing yeah. character so anyway yeah, yeah um rest in peace uh gone too soon jimmy buffett enjoy that cheeseburger in paradise my friend oh for sure man for sure well that's i think uh you know, kind of the, the one of the pieces of, you know, news, I guess that we wanted to talk about, but the other, the most obvious thing really, and the reason we're recording and are going to maybe do a hurry up drop on this is just to keep it relevant, but man, they did it again. Swatch group, um, absolutely pipped everybody by design. I'm sure right after right. Geneva watch days. Um, I don't, I don't even remember what happened last week. <laughs> Know, All that anybody's talked about for the past like 72 hours is the Swatch Blanc Pond collaboration. What's it going to look like? When's it going to drop? Okay, we got a drop date for it. I even hate using that term that because I don't I it's got such negative connotations. But there's so much freaking noise about this. We figured we had to talk about it while uh, and strike while the iron's hot. I know. I wish we had a soundboard right now because I would hit sort of like a you know a DJ Khaled and maybe some like crazy sound. I'd be like beep, 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 another one. You know, we're they, they did it again. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, let's do a I had, quick. I had another. I had another music reference I wanted to drop. Actually, oh well, yeah, of, what is it? You know, yeah, instead of the little John, you know, the little shot, the little John song, right? Shots, 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 everybody, right? Instead, we're just going swatch, 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 swatch. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's involved, right? Omega, Blanc Pond, who's next? Brigade. Well, I mean, we'll even, get into that later. Even you know the the people that are really anti, you know, I guess the kids would say the haters <laughs> are they can't stop talking about it. I I don't know if you've seen some of the comments sections on like Fratello's page. Yeah, their story about this, it's like it's insane. It's insanity. It's a freaking gladiator pit. Um. You know, are a you lot not of, entertained? Yes, yes, for sure. I've seen some really uh, some off the wall commentary over at uh, at Fratello today and and other places as well. 
Well, I really appreciated the one that you pointed out where somebody basically called out a very well, well-respected and informed <laughs> collector and contributor there and said that they were, what did they say? They, they didn't know anything about watches. He's like, you're watches. obviously <laughs> uninformed or uneducated about watches. Oh, and it, it went downhill from there. I mean, like it was, and it's like, well, you know, that's not every day that somebody calls RJ, you know, an uneducated. I particularly you know, like, enjoyed that one. Yeah. A, a, well, watch Naif. <laughs> That's a that's a unique take. Yeah, that is that is certainly a one of one. Um, yeah, you know, listen, uh, we've been probably what uh, people have been. If you've been really dialed in, I guess you've probably been paying attention for the better part of what maybe five or seven days. Uh, somebody leaked right some kind of uh, uh, advertisement that was in a, maybe a German newspaper. The one over the ocean with the Omega, you know, X. And then I think, I don't know if there was anything underneath. Anyway, we've been, if you've been really dialed in, you've been probably been sort of like whispering about it for what, five, seven days at this point? I think so. Yeah. My understanding is that there were these sort of cryptic uh, advertisements released. And I believe, you know, something like somewhere, some number between 20 and 50 publications worldwide. Um, nothing that I happen to see, you know, uh, uh, contemporaneously, but it was, you know, something that folks pointed out. And there were, as the days went by, you know, little things that started to fill in the gaps. There was, you know, the release of the graphic that showed what looked like some kind of a, you know, a map of an aquatic environment. And, you know, when you look at the thumbnail, it wasn't a map of the earth's, uh, you know, oceans, like in a Mercator projection, but it was like a you know, a, a snapshot of each of like five different, you know, major bodies of water. So Indian Ocean, Pacific Ocean, Atlantic Ocean, et cetera. And, you know, it just gets everybody speculating because, you know, the backstory on this is um, ever since the moon swatch was released, what was that? About a year and a half ago. Was it a year and a half ago? Yeah. Yeah. April of 22 or something like that. So ever since the moon swatch released, there have been rumors that, uh, Swatch Group and Swatch, the brand, um, had already, you know, taken a look at doing something similar with another watch and/or another Maison within the the family, right? The group family, and the two things that have been floated, you know, basically all all along have been Blanc Pond Fifty Fathoms and Omega Seamaster, right? And both have significant right anniversaries this year. You know, Blanc Pond has done a thing where they've they basically promised three new watches over the course of the year. Two have been delivered. I think some people were thinking, myself, you know, included across my mind that this might be the third. I kind of hope it's not. Well, um, and then to update on that, aren't they releasing something in a few weeks in Paris? Is that going to be the third of the three? You know, um, I I had heard something to that effect, but I'm honestly I don't trust my memory as to whether or not I heard it was going to be them that was releasing something in Paris, and I just I didn't want to say anything in, in case I was you know confused or misremembering. But I, I think something else is coming, yeah. And I'm as a Blanc Pond fan, you know, I'm I'm hoping it's not something ultra limited and ultra expensive, and that can only be you know obtained at like two boutiques. But who knows? At the end yeah. of the day. You know, there's a lot of handwork in all the Blanc Pond watches, and no matter how much the hype train gets going, um, they can only produce so many units. They, well, let's they just do this. Don't, yeah, yeah. No, you're right about that. Let's do this. Let's let's sort of do the rundown. I mean, anybody listening to this pod probably knows what we're talking about, but in the event that we dropped it early or because okay, so 
today we're recording on the seventh. Technically, right. I think the drop is until the ninth, although it's been released by all the big publications. You know, it's been confirmed that the pictures are 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 authentic, and those yeah, are the, the pictures basically released. released within the past twenty four hours. And it, this kind of follows hours. the pattern with the you know the moon swatch. Although you know, that was, to, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, didn't didn't somebody take kind of heat for actually quote, quote unquote leaking that before they wanted it to? Yes, yeah. If memory yeah. serves, yeah. There's a an outlet. Maybe somebody did it again. I don't know, but to, yeah. the point is, it's it, everything's everywhere. But but to that effect, let's maybe just run down what it is in the in the event that maybe somebody hasn't seen them yet. Yeah. Okay. So just by way of background, you know, Blanc Pond, right? Um, one of the, I guess you would say one of the first three, like the trio of original, you know, quote unquote dive watches and every, you know, the, the pedants, I get it right. There's an ISO specification, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, you're talking about, uh, Zodiac Rolex and arguably first was, uh, Blanc Pond and with the 50 fathoms. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of history, a lot of ink has been spilled there. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is in the modern era, Blanc Pond has basically two like significant dive watch designs. They're both kind of, you know, termed 50 fathoms, but there's the, the modern 50 fathoms automatique, which is kind of a, you know, kind of a big chunky diver, you know, modern looking, um, shiny, uh, very, you know, it's a, it's a statement piece watch, but, you know, very capable dive watch. And then the sort of the other thing is a little bit more um, pared down, and that's the watch that I have. That's the Blanc Pond Bathyscaphe. That's that was an alternate line historically to the Fifty Fathoms, you know, for years. A um, little bit different, you know, handset and indices, but the same engine inside. Um, you know, all all the same sort of goodies, it just in a in a different package. And what we've I think what a lot of people who were interested in this were wondering is, okay, which sort of architectural guideline is or was Swatch going to follow? Was it going to be a Bathyscaphe-esque model, like, you know, with that case architecture, or was it going to be a 50 Fathoms automatic and that kind of case architecture? Um, all of, most of the renders that I saw over the past like week and a half were of the of the bathyscaphe and I thought that's what they were going to do too cuz it's I think the the case made more sense um but I was wrong you know all those all those renders were wrong it is in fact uh something that is based on a slightly scaled down um 50 fathoms automatic and what we know about it is this it is going to be a right a system 51 movement mhm which is a whole nother talking point, but interesting, yep. people, right? Yep, yep. So, you know, some people love it. Some people hate that. Um, 300 meters water resistance, supposedly. I have not, not heard yet whether or not it's a screw down crown. As far as I know, nobody has held one in in the flesh. I want to um, say, and, and, and I could be completely wrong or maybe, maybe I, anyway, I think I saw a video and it looked to me like they were winding it from the in position, which lead, which would lead me to believe that it's not a screw down crown. I'm going to have to go back and find what I saw and where I saw it. And again, this was a couple of days ago, so who knows, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that I think it's not a screw down crown. Okay. That's yeah. I, I could see that happening. I mean, 300 meters water resistance is, is pretty ambitious without one. Right. 
uh, especially on what amounts to kind of a plasticky case. Uh, but they may just be banking on the fact that nobody's ever going to, you know, pressure test it, you know, and to take it to test depth to see what, what happens, who knows, but it does have reduced case dimensions. And to me, that's kind of the party piece and what I'm sort of excited about, because instead of being this 45 millimeter, you know, pseudo behemoth, they've taken it down to 42, which is not a huge reduction, but it's a lot more wearable, I think for more people. You know, and more of a uh, just a down the middle tool watch dive watch size, twenty one millimeter lugs. I think they're actually twenty one point two millimeters if you're counting. <laughs> In around these parts, we call that twenty one millimeters. Um, and then you know the five different colors, right? There's a you know a, a a blue variant, a white gray, a green, an orange, a yellow. All of whom, all of which have sort of different varying accent colors and things like that, but uh, that's basically the deal. And then there's two basic dial configurations. One is the sort of the modern 50 fathoms automatic. And I think that's the, uh, right. The blue one and the green one. Correct. And then the others are more sort of the, the historic kind of mil spec esque dial configurations, which are more like, you know, dots and dashes, smaller, smaller pips and indices, a different different blanc pond word mark script mm-hmm. and uh you know there's one of them is the no rads i think that that's the indian ocean i believe that's correct and okay. uh, the yellow one the yellow one's also the modern okay okay got it got it yeah i know there's one that's like a no rads and i think it's the arctic ocean the white gray that's that's to me is the killer looking one that's the yeah uh, we're gonna get know, into our the, favorites but that one is hot the water ingress piece so that's that's kind of what we know about what it looks like um you know, and I saw something to the effect that they're going to be issued on very colorful kind of striped uh, NATO straps that are, you know, some kind of recycled ocean net or something, something like that. I actually think they look pretty dope. The straps look decent. Don't know how they feel, but I think they actually look good. And I'm not a striped NATO guy. No, but it'll be interesting because, I mean, this is the kind of thing, you know, um, that it, it could conceivably be a, a huge strap monster you know, for anybody who wants to get one of these things. All right. So let's let's attack this. Go ahead. Yep. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I just, I, I refreshed my page and I'm looking at the colors and yeah, you were right. The, the yellow, or I should say the, or uh, yeah, yellow and black is the, the automatic dial too. All right. So let's just get right into, into the just initial reactions and then let's get, we'll we'll dig really deep into it. Right. Or as, as deep as we have time for. Sure. So, Let's skip over. We'll come back to it. What we think about the idea of this on execution, whatever of, of the blue, the green, the yellow, gold, whatever it is, orange, white, what hits you? Like what, what says, what's like calling you is any, do any of them, do any of them sort of strike you as like, Hmm, I might need to have that. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I would not kick any of these out of bed, but the one that I probably would want first sight on, well, not sight unseen, but you know, not having, you know, had it in hand to, you know, to kind of see what it really looks like in terms of, you know, light in a normal ambient light or outdoor lighting or whatever. Um, I think I want the kind of the gray white one, you know, the Arctic, the stormtrooper, whatever that is. How about you? I'm with you. Uh, the, the orange and the white hit me hard. Um, it was funny. We were talking about orange earlier. I feel like I might have too much orange in my life. You know, I have this Jupiter on now, 
couple other watches that have some orange accents. I've got orange straps on all this stuff right now. Uh, it's not a reason not to buy it. If it's cool, it's cool. But all that said, that white is, is just right there with it. And so if it gives me a little different of a look and vibe, um, then I think that also makes more sense. And I just, it's super hot. The blue is also cool. Um, I don't know what to make about the yellow or the gold or whatever it is. It's hard to tell on renderings right now. Um, it's kind of middling for me until I see it in person. Uh, I'm not, I'll, I'll reserve some judgment. And then, you know, we don't like to do this a whole lot until we actually see things in person, but I'm just going to say it. I think the green is kind of fugly. Um, I could be proven wrong in person, but I would easily, easily, you know, F what's it? FMK <laughs> would easily, I would easily kill the green, um, yeah. at least based on pictures. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the green, I could like it, but I would rank that one last too. I think mm-hmm. I'm going kind of like, you know, white, blue, yellow, um, maybe white, yellow, blue. Um, I really want to see the way the orange, the gray in the, the orange one, how it kind of looks and is that orange really orange or is it more like a, a like a deep blood red kind of thing, like a brick mm-hmm. color? Um, that's, that's what I would want to know. But I think that, uh, that yellow one, that, that could potentially be pretty hot. And I will say if I had to, to pick between, if you made me choose between the dial variants, I think I'm definitely partial to the sort of, um, historical nod, uh, as opposed to the more traditional or excuse me, the more modern execution, um, something about the, you know, the no rad at the bottom and the, and the ingress, you know, the water ingress, you know, uh, uh, signal, signal. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Those ones, those ones as a set speak to me more than the, than the, the set of the three that are of the modern dial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the kind of thing where, you know, if you're a swatch person, it's going to be pricey, right? But, you know, this would still rank as, I mean, in, in any other world, this would be considered, you know, like an affordable, although it's, you know, affordable with an asterisk. Cause I mean, again, it's a, it's a swatch, right? This is, you know, by no means a, a Blanc Pond. But, um, if these things were available in Southern California, yeah, I would, I would probably go get one. You know, it's a travesty that they're not, but I will based off. And then one last note, I think I mentioned it earlier. I actually, I'm kind of down with these NATOs. I don't know how, you know, quality the NATO is. Um, but I actually think they're pretty, pretty cool. Like combos. Um, you know, unfortunately the strap on this moon swatch is kind of trash. I wish it was cool because obviously, you know, what it's inspired by is a very cool strap, but, um, the execution is just pretty, pretty janky. Um, so maybe the straps are decent on these. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely charging a premium. And from what I've heard, my guess is that if you were to get one of these and I say you like you specifically, but also anybody, you know, who's in your position of of having a moon swatch to compare it to, my guess is that this probably feels like a significantly more kind of premiumized physical object. The the complaint that I've heard from a lot of people about Moonswatch, aside from the strap, right? Obviously, it's it's a throwaway. But is the fact that it is a um, a chronograph, right? You're going to have to have pushers, and the pushers are the weak link. You yeah. know, it's, they're just they're they're small, they're you know not metallic, they're not particularly you know uh, robust. This thing doesn't need that. You know, this is just you know probably much more solid. Is my guess. Um, 
you know, for somebody used to handling something like a Submariner or a, you know, a, a Breitling diver or, you know, a heavy duty Seiko watch, this is probably going to feel like a toy. I get it. But my guess is compared to the, the moon swatch, it's going to feel more like a premium thing. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, even for instance, I don't even know if I've ever mentioned this on the on the pot or not. I've mentioned it to friends or whatever, but like my tenths of a second register on my moon swatch does not reset exactly to zero, you know, to zero, which is kind of annoying, right? Like there's some QC stuff. I've heard some other people say, hey, you know, this, whatever, this, that, the other thing. So to your point, you know, the pushers are going to be a weak, weak link on the moon swatch. I'm not sure the QC is the highest, um, and then, you know, obviously being a, you know, a quartz movement versus a system 51 movement, there's, there's just a different level of, of sort of execution probably. Um, but we'll see, I'll be curious. Well, actually I'll save that for later. Um, I was trying to think of, uh, I was thinking of something I want to circle back to. Hopefully I'm going to write it down in our notes so we don't forget, but yeah, you know, I would imagine this is a more premium product. I mean, it's, it's $400, right. Uh, as opposed to $260, um, I posited to you earlier and, and you and I went back and forth on this and I, I, I wanted, wanted to bring it up here too. A, it's obviously going to be warranted for an automatic movement, um, water resistance, um, you know, maybe several other factors. But in my mind, I thought to myself, okay, well, they started at 260 for the moon swatch. They're moving up to 400 on the Blanc Pond. Are they going to keep premium, premiumizing the swatch collabs. Are we going to see the next one at six or eight or a thousand dollars? We just saw our thousand dollar Tumex. We talked about last week, right? Are we going to get a stainless steel cased Breguet X swatch? You know, is the trajectory of the swatch collaboration going up in terms of price and an execution and, you know, premium aspect, or is this just sort of a result of, you know, this particular watch? So are are you sort of speculating or is that are you asking me both? Yeah, I mean well, so I don't know obviously, but I I think this might be it. Um and here's why I say this. When I think of all the different it, it, anything that they do is going to have to be pretty much by definition right is going to have to be in the um in the Swatch Group family what other brands could they do collabs with on sort of, you know, the, the lower end, if, if, you know, Omega is maybe the benchmark kind of uh, flagship brand for that comp for that group, everything is kind of below them or above them. Um, I could see something like a Hamilton collab, but the pricing for Hamilton, you know, the, the is already relatively close you know, for some of these things, I don't know if it would make sense. I mean, Hamilton's already kind of the entry sort of, you know, near luxury for a lot of people. And depending on which models and stuff like that, you, I think you're kind of in that, that space anyway, but you know, you think of something like I could see a, you know, a Hamilton khaki field, you know what I'm just the, like the 38 millimeter watch done by swatch, but how, what would they charge for it? That's interesting. And, that's and interesting. how big would the Delta make sense? And then that's kind of on the lower end. I don't see them doing anything with like, you know, a, a Swatch PRX from Tissot or, or from Mito or something like that. So I don't, I don't see that. And then on the sort of the upper tier, 
you know, people have joked about like a diamond Harry Winston swatch, you know, or a Jacques Adro or whatever. I don't, that's to me, that's like, that's laughable. I think the only other thing that could be done would be Breguet and Breguet would have maybe two, you know, you, um, maybe sort of two flagship watches that would kind of make sense to do. You know, one would be, you know, a type 20, type 21 kind of redux, you know, as a chronograph or like a, a Marine three-hander. But beyond that, I don't know where, where, where else they've got room to go with this. So I think, I think the only thing I could say is me, I mean, maybe a Glashuta. Uh, I, I'm wondering if like Omega, was the starting point and they were trying and they're trying perhaps to sort of elevate their high dollar brands. And, you know, and maybe that's this part of the strategy. Cause to your point, Longines, you know, Rado, Hamilton, Mito, Certina, Tiso. I mean, they've got things all the way up and down the catalog from pretty reasonable and, and approachable all the way up to, you know, maybe mid, 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 mid level. Um, and and they've got a stronger following, but you know some of these. I mean, Omega's not niche, but Breguet's niche, in my opinion, right? Blanc Pond, and we'll talk about like you said earlier, sort of their production numbers. Blanc Pond's a little niche. Glashutz is a little niche. They're also really high dollars. We'll, we'll circle back to this, but are they just trying to build the customer base for you know having folks understand what sort of the premium offerings are? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what it is. We talked about this offline earlier, right? We were, you talked about the idea of customer acquisition. I think this is, you know, just like what the first one was. It's a fun thing and it's a marketing exercise. We, for the people who sort of hate this, you know, as like cheapening the brand, um, I kind of get it. But, you know, brands need to do stuff to survive and they've got to, you know, find new customers and new people. And, you know, Rolex doesn't necessarily need to do that, but they do. I mean, have you seen, you know, the institutional advertising? How much does it cost Rolex as a brand entity to brand like probably three quarters of the Formula One circuits out there? You know, the the big, you know, the tennis majors, you know, all these different things that they do. Plus just word of mouth is like this cultural phenomenon, but then other brands that, you know, were not household names 10 years ago, you know, Audemars Piquet or Vacheron or, or whatever that now in a kind of a certain subset of the culture are now absolutely, you know, household names, but because they're, they're spoken of in, in the pop culture, you know, Jay-Z and, and, you know, other people, are seen wearing these watches, um, you know, professional athletes, athletes pick, entertainers, yeah, actors, pick, right? Yeah. Pick a, an athletic discipline, you know, and, and you see these watches on them, you know, Richard Mill, we joked around about this, you know, with Mike and James Stacy, when we did the formula one episode, they don't sponsor any team, but they're, they're practically the official watch of formula one. Cause how many drivers wear those things? Did, did our you hear guy- by the way about Carlos Sainz? <laughs> That's what I was just going to say that our yeah, guy yeah. Uh, almost loses Richard Mill the other day. That's an aside. Yeah, we got to go somewhere with that. But um, yeah, there's just, you know, all these different uh, avenues that some of these other, you know, big premium blue chip brands have been able to exploit or, you know, maybe have happened. These things have happened organically, you know, their growth in terms of popularity in the in the popular culture 
and they've been able to kind of ride that wave. Well, you know, a, a brand like, you know, Blancpain or Breguet, um, I, I don't think any hip hop artists are, are rapping about that stuff, but there's no reason why they couldn't be or shouldn't be. It's just, they haven't. So Swatch has got to do something different. You know, they got to think outside the box and they just disrupted the shit out of the, you know, the watch press basically 100%. two years in a row. hundred percent. Like you said, I mean, we were, it's their customer acquisition price, you know, their price per new customer is, is pretty low as opposed to, like you said, sponsoring some of these other things or some of these other sort of marketing endeavors and, uh, and they're building a base and some of these people can buy a Blanc Pond tomorrow or an Omega. Some of them maybe could buy one in five years or 10 years or 20 years but they're going to be thinking about it. They're going to be brand aware now. And, um, and listen, like, you know, I think a lot of us like to pretend that like some, you know, 77 year old watchmaker is like hunched over his bench in, in Switzerland, like, you know, hand assembling each of the watches that we wear. And (laughs) the truth is like, he's not, they're not, I mean, unless you have certain types of pieces, right. Certain types of watches that you own in your collection. And if you do, then that's amazing. I would, I absolutely aspire to, but the most of us are wearing watches that were not assembled by some, you know, third generation, you know, watchmaker, you know, toiling away in, in, in the Swiss Alps, right? Like, you know, so the, the romanticism of sort of, Oh, I can't believe ever that Blanc Pond would ever make something with Swatch. I mean, it's just, it's, it's commercial. It's a commercial endeavor. And if you don't, if you don't want to, if you don't want to be sort of, you know, looped into that and you want to support indies and, watchmakers who are, you know, actually, you know, putting their, their hands and on the things that they're making, then that's all good too. But there's no reason, you know, that a commercial endeavor like the Swatch Group or Omega or Blancpain, you know, that they're not going to try and open the floodgates and bring more people in and, and expose people to their brand. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, you know, take this for what it's worth, Greg, but I, I had two people in the past 24 hours in my sort of my personal sphere. And, you know, granted it's two people, not 2000 people or 2 million people, but two people. No, this is but peer review. This was in a journal. I saw this. This is peer. Yeah, reviewed. totally. Totally. Um, but you know, two people that I know, you know, through work who were just getting into watches, both called me and asked me if I'd heard of this collab and they sent me like pictures that they saw in the press. So we, we talked about it for a minute each, but that's, you know, two people that, um, and they they are in a position to buy if they want you know they can they can easily i know these two guys they can easily buy blanc pond they'd never heard of blanc pond 48 hours ago how how would they unless you're yeah. like super dialed in or doing stuff like we're doing right now or some of our you know our friends and colleagues and people we know how would you right like that's such a a niche thing listen it's like how much how much of a gatekeeper do people want to be Right. It's, it's, it's like you're you, a lot, no matter yeah, what people say, I think people love it. You know, Super, <laughs> uh, ultimate gatekeepers. And like for the longest, and, and, and listen, I like, I like when watches are quiet to some degree, right? Like there's a, you know, prices were stable to some degree. And there's a little bit, if you know, you know, kind of thing. And there, there's fun to that. And there's still, there's still corners and spaces for plenty of that, but it's kind of like everybody in the watch world was sort of like, you know, of the, one dozen people that were at the bar or the underground music venue that knew about the band before they made it big. And then when they started to sell records, they got kind of pissed off about it. And it's like, get over it. Yeah. It's not, it's at the end of the day, it's just watches, man. It's just watches, right? And, you know, it's like, and if more people want to talk about it, then great. And Hey, guess what? If you want to talk about, you know, 
vintage Universal Genève, there's lots of people that want to talk about that with you. And we know them. And if you want to talk about indies like, you know, Cameron Weiss, or you want to go all the way up up market and talk about FB Jorn, people want to talk about that too. If you want to talk about some a brand new micro brand, there's plenty of space for that. Like whatever you want, it's there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's not to say, I mean, I personally, I'll hold up my hand, you know, right? Uh, I'm a fan. I'm an owner. Uh, I like the watches. I like these watches. I understand why they're doing this. I think there's a certain element of hype to this, which I, I inherently dislike. Um, but I also very, will very say- Very disagreeable. I will agree. That's very, it's very much the downside. Um, and then you have to fully, fully recognize that as part of this is that the hype and the and the sort of, you know, that mentality, eh, that sucks. I mean, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, that that part of it. But I mean, that's kind of unavoidable. And at the end of the day, it's like, I think they I think they are giving everybody a taste of the Rolex medicine. Like, OK, it's it's artificial scarcity. It's a it's essentially a plastic watch that could probably be made in the millions. And we're not going to sell it online. You know, I'm I am butthurt. And I again, I'll hold up my hand and say, a hundred percent. I acknowledge this, uh, that like in the in- West of the Rockies, there's what, like two, maybe three outlets for swatch. Yeah. Something, in, what is it like Vegas? It's Vegas and San, San Francisco, Francisco. And I think that's okay. it. Cause I don't, I don't think there's anything in the PNW and that's I weird. think you have to go to like Denver for the next one. That's super or, strange. You know, and then from there to Texas. So that's, yeah, that's insanity. I mean, it's a landmass that's like, basically Western and Central Europe combined in a population that's about equivalent, you know, but, but Manhattan has like six stores. Um, not that I'm mad or anything, but, uh, I mean, I think that's what really rubs people the wrong way. It did, it did the same for the moon swatch and that bothered me, but I'm over it. You know, it just, it doesn't really bother me anymore. The companies need to find new people. I don't like the the hype aspect of it, but the hype is the product for, I think for the group, you know, that's what they're trying to generate. So let's draw a line in the sand. I think it's clear, right? We've been talking about, I don't think people have to really read between the lines too much, but like, let's just draw a line in the sand. Do you like this or do you hate this? Uh, I mostly like this. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I think it's neat. I think it's fun. Uh, watches should be fun. Um, I'll be honest. I never really, I know there's a number of people out there who are sort of swatch collectors have been and continue to be. I was not one of them. I was gifted a, a really fun, uh, swatch by our buddy, Brian at high West saloon. Um, shout out to Jimmy. Jimmy was asking what it was called. I didn't even know. Um, it's the tequila watch, which is why I, Brian sent it over to me. That's that was the first cool. watch I ever owned, and and I didn't even expect to ever own another one ever again. It just wasn't really in my sort of collecting wheelhouse. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, well, you know, this really cool little Swatch watch, the Moon Swatch. All of a sudden, this Blanc Pond. You know, I would love to probably pick one up at some point um, when convenient. Now all of a sudden, it's like you would ask me a year and a half ago if I'd ever own a Swatch. I'd probably be like no. And now I'm like, well, I guess maybe there's going to be a couple of them laying around. Well, yeah, and there's there's real people. I mean, for again, for all the sort of the negative comments about how this is going to cheapen the brand, um, you know, people know Morgan King, and not to like name drop, but we back channel and we kind of know Morgan at least casually. Morgan has 
all of the moon swatches. He has all of them? Yeah. At least Sweet. I think so. At least if, if he might have one or two that he doesn't have yet. So I talked to him today and I asked him about these watches and I was like, hey, are you going to get one of these? And his response was probably what most people's are. I, I like it. I'll try to get one if it's convenient. There's nothing around here. Uh, you know, when, when the travels, maybe I'm kind of paraphrasing, you know, take me there. Maybe I'll try to get one, but I don't, I don't have anything on tap, but he's interested. It doesn't, it clearly does not dilute the brand or diminish, you know, the brand in his eyes. It doesn't in mine. Um, I got a message from, and I asked if I could quote him by the way, but Jason Heaton, cause they talked about this today too. He's, uh, he's, you know, the only other person I know kind of right off the top of my head, you know, personally, who's owns Blanc Pond as well. He said the same thing. It's like, this is just fun. You know, there's, there's some negative things with it. And there are some, maybe a few negative things associated with the watch itself. And we'll talk about that in a second, but on balance, you know, I think most people are, are going to be okay with this. And to the extent that you're not, you're going to get over it. Like I did. I mean, I loved the moon swatch and then I hated it. <laughs> I love the watch, but I mean, I just, I hated the fact that like they said it was going to be online and then it wasn't. And, you know, you still have to line up for them and all that. But on the other hand, for the people who have them, I, I have to acknowledge it makes it a little more special if you're able to get one and, you know, good for you. That's a good point. So it, it, to that, to that end, let's be fair, right? Let's critique it. Let's critique either the execution or the idea or just things that sort of irk us. Um, sure. what are the, what are the drawbacks here? What are the negatives? Um, so I think there are some, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I've just, again, this is kind of rumor only, but, um, one of the things that I've heard is that the system 51 movement is not inherently serviceable. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but let's just say it's not. Um, one would assume that it's, it's relatively cheap cause it's a low parts count. It's very simple. It's entirely, at least I think that was the selling point, right? It's made and assembled basically by robot. So not a lot of handwork. So it's cheap. Cool. But what I've heard is that you cannot drop in a replacement movement. I don't know if that's true or not. If they like laser seal these things or, or what have you, if that's true, that's a bummer. You know, on the other hand, it might be like, you know, a modern sealed transmission, you know, where it's like, okay, you can't work on it. Yeah. But it's also going to last you like 400,000 miles. So, you know, the, the rest of the car is probably going to be whipped before you ever need to, you know, open the thing up. Obviously, obviously caveat to her. I get it, but, um, I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I could see that being a sore point. You know, the idea that you've got something that has at least to some degree, some kind of like planned obsolescence, you know, even though it might be a very, a relatively long timeline, you know, before you, you're worrying about, you know, this thing breaking down. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only thing I can think of. It might be a little too disposable for the price. And some people would say, Hey, you know, Blancpain has kind of staked a claim or at least a partial claim to like, you know, ocean conservation and social responsibility in that arena. You know, why would you make something that's going to get chucked? But if yeah. it's going to get used hard and chucked in 20 years, that might not be so bad. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it would be sort of like a, as a watch sort of enthusiast, right. It would be sort of a weird bummer to just literally toss away a watch. It doesn't make sense to me anymore. Maybe when I was, you know, younger, it would just make sense of course to toss something cheap. But nowadays to buy something and throw it away would seem weird. 
Um, you know, to that end, I guess now that I'm thinking about this moon swatch, I guess I don't, even though it, it's not the same, you know, uh, not the same concerns in terms of servicing the, the system 51 movement. I guess I, I just don't really expect this to last that long either. I mean, I'm not looking forward to the day of throwing it away. I'm the, I imagine I'm going to change the battery several times, but this is not something I expect to be around in like 60 years. I wouldn't say 60 years. I think that's probably a near impossibility, you know, just, but how many, how many swatches from like the late eighties and nineties are still out there? I mean, there's quite a few. And then what does that put them at 50 years old? Um, no, less than that, but I mean, you know, more than 20. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's from the eighties, you're, you're already at 43. Yeah. 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 So 40 something that's, uh, there's the potential. I mean, I don't think that system 51 movement has been around long enough for people to have a sense of like what the, you know, the obsolescence horizon is for it. I, I don't know if I just made up a word, but you know what I, I mean? Like where I like you, you have a sense of like where it's going to drop off a cliff functionality wise. Yeah. You know, and then the obvious one we already pointed out to you, I mean, if, and this is another question, I guess, but if it has the same level of hype and sort of you know, queuing the lines and, you know, sort of the folks not quote unquote in the inner circle, maybe the hype beasts and sort of the, you know, the flippers of the world. If it's, if it's all of a sudden it's like impossible to get, even if you have a boutique nearby, that's stupid and annoying. So, I mean, that's obviously a negative. There's sort of the drop culture mentality, which um, I don't really subscribe to a, a bunch. I mean, Obviously, there's the FOMO aspect of it, but whether it's a pair of you know shoes or sneakers or a video game or a watch, I, I don't really care to participate in that. But um, you know, that's that's probably a negative too. I agree with that. I think though the one kind of good thing as far as that goes is we have a you know like a, a an exemplar here in the Moon Swatch to have a sense of how that's going to play out and it sounds like it's going to be the same kind of thing, which is to say that these watches are not going to be limited production. So they're that at least that's how they're describing it. And what I think that means is maybe they'll each be relatively low rate production. Otherwise they'd sell them online, which I wish they would do. But um, if that's the case, I'm going to probably let this thing occupy, you know, my imagination for the next maybe week or so. And then I'll put a pin in it and I'll revisit this in about 12 months and see if they're more available or if people around here have them and want to trade or lend me one to get it out of my system. Or if I, you know, have a, a 50 fathoms automatic, you know, the big boy watch of my own by then, because it's still on my radar, but yeah, the FOMO thing and, and the standing in line and, the flipping and all that. That's the kind of thing where I'm like, eh, hard pass. But the watch itself is pretty bitching. And I do hope it generates that interest. And so let's just make some, you know, predictions here. Do you think it will have the same cultural relevance that the moon swatch did? No. And continues to, I guess, but no, I, I would say I, it, no, not nothing, but I think it will probably be a bit less. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. I think you're right. I, I would say if you had to measure it, I think it will be at a smaller scale than the Moon Swatch, just simply based on Omega having a, a larger brand name, it being the first as the Moon Swatch was. Um, I do think there's going to be 
some outside noise. There's going to be the, you know, the hype beasts and the drop culture, and there's going to be people to see flipping opportunities. There's going to be outside noise. It's not going to be watch nerds lining up, right? Let, like, let's be clear. But um, I do not, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to have quite the resonance and, and impact that the moon swatch did. Um, do you think there will be a cottage industry that develops out of this? You know, I mean, all of a sudden when the moon swatch was out, I saw new strap, you know, companies that were literally like moon swatch camp companies, right? Moon swatch strap companies, you know, kind of this cottage industry that developed in, in terms of, you know, accessories and, and things geared towards basically the moon swatch itself. Do you see a, a, a cottage industry developing or, or no? I think that's possible too, it, or it may be the kind of thing. Cause if, if I'm kind of tracking with you, when you think of like this, the massive cohort of people who got into, and we know they're out there. I mean, there's a lot of watch enthusiasts got moon swatches, but there's also just a lot of, you know, the, the drop culture people and, you know, young people for whom maybe swatch was something interesting and, you know, they wanted to do the participate in the thing of the moment. Then you go, you get your watch, you Google it, and you know you find these new, new kind of strap companies, who, on the back end of things, may be the same old strap companies. But if I'm if I'm like you know a 21 year old you know student from, you know Brooklyn or you know from uh, you know West Hollywood or something like that. I was gonna go Silver Lake, but you wanted to go. West yeah, Hollywood yeah, that's probably better. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little more hip. Um, and I, I don't know a ton about watches, but you know I've got a, a few disposable dollars, and I've just got this thing because I know it's hot, and I you know I saw you know talk about it on like Hype Beast or High Snobiety or whatever, and I've discovered watches, and I'm now I'm looking. That that person probably doesn't know that they can go to you know Bark and Jack or the Gray NATO or you know Strap Taylor. Or any any number of other, you know, pick one. There's a million of them that are like established brands, Utah straps or whatever. So for them, when they see something that says Moon Swatch straps, that's what they're going to look at. Yeah, I I could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, but, and, and hey, if you laser cut it and it fits, you know, like a glove, hey, I'm all for it. Yeah, it would depend if um, you know, if. I have not seen actually in the renders and I know it shows. Let me let me see if I can kind of get a better sense up close in the images. Yeah, so the hardware on the um the OEM strap mm -hmm. which I'm assuming I say hardware it's probably I assume it's plastic. It, it definitely it's, is. It's, it's the same stuff that comes on the Moon Swatch. Yeah, it's Swatch branded, not Blancpain branded. So, you know, somebody doing something aftermarket, you know, might incorporate the logo or, or whatever. I don't know if they, they're allowed to do that, but you know what I mean? Something that gets deletes the words watch as a word mark on the hardware. Um, you know, some people might like that if they don't like uh, the excess branding. I don't know. I could see it happening. I will say, uh, and it'd be impossible, I guess, because it's sort of a proprietary thing, right? But um, one thing that's bothered me about switching out the straps on the Moon Swatch is that basically you end up with like steel hardware, you know, whether it's a pin and buckle or, or you know, a NATO. Um, it would be nice to keep with the case material. Um, but again, you know, that strap is just sort of unwearable in my opinion. But um, no, I mean, if you, hey, if you laser cut, you know, uh, uh, a 50, you know, system 51 fathoms, uh, rubber, and it looks great. And it fits like a glove. 
I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. Well, no. So wait, I'm going to ask you a question that we hadn't thought of prior. And I mean, I know the answer to this in my head, like from a rational standpoint and just, you know, as a business person. So I know what the answer to this is, but I never say never, right? I would five years ago, I would never have thought that there would be a swatch, you know, moon swatch or a, a swatch 50 fathoms. Do they have to keep this whole phenomenon in the group? I mean, mean, I'm thinking this this would make offering. No, I'm wondering, can they, would they ever open this to a a non-group brand? Uh, If you're a a Richemont brand like IWC, are you sitting on the sidelines going, damn. I I think they'd be almost smart to because it's the, the recipe is there, but I, the way the swatch operates, I don't think so. I can't. I can't see him doing it either. That's almost laughable. But at the same time, it's I. I could see how that would work out for both parties. Yeah. Can you imagine like a a a swatch big pilot? <laughs> yeah, actually, I can. That, that would be effing bitching, man. If if they did it right, like or you know what I mean. Yeah. Some, you know, and there's, there's, again, there's like a, a pop culture predicate for that, but it's nowhere near as big as, you know, uh, again, you know, the uh, Royal Oak or Submariner or GMT or whatever, you know, but there's, you know, John Mayer's out there and other people are out there doing that kind of thing. But can you imagine that? Like, let this rest for like a year or two, let that marinate. And then the next time they come around and, and cause IWC does like their product line refreshes in batches, you know, like one year it's going to be this product line and, you know, the next year, maybe another product line and and they kind of rotate them. The next time they come through for the pilot's watches, man, can, that would be freaking unreal. Hell if dude, they, if they could do something like that, let's just let's go full <clears throat> send, dude. Give me, give me a swatch Royal Oak. Give me, give me the whole thing, dude. <laughs> dude, you know, and again, the, the, Fanboys are going to absolutely like shit their diapers right now, but why, you know, full send Royal Oak. I mean, the ultimate full send would have to be a Swatch Submariner, a Swatch Mariner. Well, I, that, that would be, I mean, that would literally of, never, ever happen, but that, that would, would be, yeah. that would be, that would be like the ultimate, you know, that would break is, the internet. That would break the internet. Yeah. I mean, come on, come on. I would, I would probably want to like participate in that like the the hype part of that i i would that would be hard to resist i would love to just be i want to be a fly on the wall you know that that would that would literally bring out all the vitriol all the all the haters all the lovers that would that would be a circus this you know the moon swatch was a circus that would be a five ring circus oh yeah can you imagine no actually i can't but hey like you said, a year and a half ago, we didn't think we'd be talking about, you know, moon swatches and, and, uh, and scuba fathom 50 fathoms. No. In fact, I would think maybe the move is, you know, uh, Rolex having acquired, you know, Bucherer or whatever, maybe the next move for them is to, you know, start like an even more down market brand than Tudor. And basically, can you imagine them founding a competitor to swatch? Oh Lord. Wow. That would really be talk about just completely trying to annihilate your competition. If that's where they wanted to go. Wow. 
Yeah, that's and all of this is not this is just, you know, spitballing over a margarita, but um that would be amazing. Like to be talking about that like maybe circa 2028. 20, you know, like hey, did you know the 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 word is, you know, at uh at the next, you know, massive watch fair, maybe it's back at Basel or something. And uh, you know, Rolex is going to announce this completely new the Wilsdorf group is going to announce you know, some, some completely new, you know, corporate entity that's going to go, go toe to toe with Swatch for like the 99 to $399, you know, pop culture, you know, churn and burn market. Um, if I don't know, they could do it. That's, that's pretty funny to think that, but well, there it is. It, it is. And I'll tell you what we, we, you know, to the fact that we've created a bizarro world where Rolex is now <laughs> launched a swatch competitor uh we're, we're certainly wasting away again in, in margaritaville so it might be time to put a bow on this one <laughs> yeah the rolex deep swatch <laughs> yeah yeah hey you already gave them half what they need right there part of this is just coming up with really uh really snappy names and i think you just gave them one dude these powerpoint pitch decks they make themselves um i i got a million hey of them. Well, I know you're a skilled professional. Don't don't sell yourself short. No, absolutely. Well, dude, we've kind of done this thing to death. I mean, I think it it breaks down like this, right? Um, I've just to kind of summarize. I think I speak for both of us. Uh, the hype piece of this sucks, but it's kind of necessary given what Swatch Group is trying to do for Blancpain. It probably needs to be done. As a Blancpain owner, um, I'm going to, you know, kind of swallow my pride and say I think it's a good idea in as much as I want there to be an, a follow on wave of enthusiasts that understand and appreciate Blancpain. Because if they don't, you know, the watchmaking entity will cease to exist. It went away for a few years, just a few. Thank you, Jean Claude Biver. Um, but, you know, they uh, resuscitated it and made it something that I think is kind of better. But in order to continue, they've got to find new people. And, you know, until the, uh, I don't, I don't even know who like the, the hot hip hop acts are right now, but you know, until Rihanna discovers, you know, Blancpain, it's not you know, Rihanna, some kind of, she did the halftime show, but I don't think she's got an album out for like seven years or something. Yeah. All right. You know, <laughs> just go with something Lil. It could be Lil Yachty, maybe something Lil, <laughs> Lil Uzi. Uh, okay. Just go with anything Lil. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it up if you want. Yeah. I'm so, but <laughs> as you said that in the back of my mind, I'm I'm hearing Chappelle doing the little Jean. <laughs> little John's back, baby. We met, okay. we, we reference. Hey, anytime an episode has two little John references, I'm like pretty stoked on that. I think Buzzy's gonna like that. Yeah, for sure, man. So yeah, I mean, I think on balance, I mean, I give this my my blessing. This gets you know two swatches up from me. Um, I wish I could get one, you know, I probably can't. Oh, well, but I that's kind of what, if you have a lead time that you're comfortable with, which I know you do, I think you'll get one eventually if you want one. Yeah. I mean, it may, as you say, it may be the kind of thing that by the time I'm, I'm ready to acquire, a, you know, the plastic one, I may get the steel one. And, you know, by the time some people are ready to get their second plastic one, they're ready to get a steel one. Um, you know, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. What do you think? Well, shit, at this rate, I'm just, I'm like staying tuned to see if you end up with a, you know, 
a summer blue, you know, Seamaster or, and or a Blanc Pond in the next like 12 months. You've got me like, I'm very interested in where you're going. Well, dude, we'll see how it goes. But I think that's it uh, for Blanc Pond. Do you want to move? Do you, do, do you have any recommendations or final notes? Yeah, I got one. Um, all the NBA fans out there, uh, we're still sort of, we're not even in preseason yet, right? Actually, the NFL just kicked off tonight, Lions and Chiefs, and I'm pretty certain the Lions upset the Chiefs, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so go Birds. Eagles play on Sunday against the Patriots. Um, boo. Um, looking forward to another Eagle season. But for all the basketball fans out there, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, um, or or if you're just a, a fan of sort of an interesting story, I know you're not a huge NBA guy, Matt, but do you know the basketball player J.R. Smith? I know the name. Okay, right. Played with LeBron. Also, you know, had his own career outside of playing with LeBron. Pretty accomplished guy. He's got NBA championship, right? Um, there is a documentary on, I want to say Amazon. It's called Redefined J.R. Smith. Let me just give you the real quick Cliff's notes and you can tell me if it's interesting or not. I think it's interesting because I grew up watching him play. He's an interesting character, kind of a space cadet in some ways, but this documentary helps paint a more vivid picture. Anyway, he was one of the kind of the last wave of, of guys who left high school and went straight to the NBA, right? Before they changed the rules to where he had to go to college at least for one year. So he goes to the NBA, skipped over college, has a very productive, long career, you know, kind of a funny guy, smokes a lot of weed. People think he's kind of a goofball, but he's pretty good at what he does. He retires a couple years ago. And Matt, he decided to go back to college and play collegiate golf on the varsity team. I I think I did hear about this. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. I heard he was a golfer, you know, even when he was playing in the league, he would get out on the course. He tells the story of how he got into it. I want to say maybe Steph Curry or somebody got him on the course and he really fell in love with the game. So he goes back because he wants to get his degree for himself, but he wants to keep competing in something. And so he goes to, I want to say North Carolina A&T. It's a HBCU, which was also very important to him. And he's playing collegiate golf. He didn't go back and sort of, you know, putts around on the basketball court. You know, he, he went specifically to a, specific type of school and competed as a varsity athlete in a non-revenue sport. And it's just a really cool watch. And he gives a lot of insight into who he is as a person, why he's doing what he's doing. He obviously sort of takes care of the team. He's, you know, buying them, you know, extra meals as their teammate, not as a sort of, you know, benefactor, you know, they're short on uniforms or whatever. He's making introductions to tailor made because he's got clout. It's just really cool. And I learned more about him, you know, more than sort of who he is as a meme because he is very memeable. Um, he's a character. But uh, anyway, really cool story. If you're at all interested in J.R. Smith or the NBA or sort of this really insight, you know, into a professional athlete going back to school, check it out. Dude, that's pretty cool, man. I actually would look into that because that sounds like one of those, you know, kind of uh, what's the opposite of rags to riches, like riches to riches, but kind of in a, in a heartwarming way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. This dude's freaking set, you know, but he's like, I'm just literally going to go play as a varsity golfer, you know, at, at a school. Like, it's crazy. And it's it's neat. It's genuine to my at least to my understanding. I think it's pretty genuine. No, that's very cool. 
Well, hey, mine is something that I've talked about before. I don't know that I've offered this as a recommendation before. Um, I think maybe I did, but certainly I talked about this when we had, um, and, and this is, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about occasionally we do sort of solo episodes with with other people. There was a time about a year and a half ago where we had our buddy Bro Dinky kind of uh, co-hosting when you could not be on, and we were kind of geeking out about chef stuff and and you know chef watches and stuff like that. And I I, I see you nodding because you know what you I think you you know what I'm going to say, but I'm not going to say that. Ah, I'm actually going to talk about me. this. So this is because of Blancpain, right? Um, for people who want to know more about Blancpain, the brand, I think one of the best ways to find out about like what's going on, and it, it, it's all marketing fluff on the one hand, but on the other hand, it will give you a good sense of like what the brand is trying to be about and the story and the history and things like that. And a lot of the brands will have some kind of an annual or a magazine or something like that. And Blancpain has a great one. It's Letters du Brasseau. Letters is spelled the kind of the French way, L-E-T-T-R-E-S. Du Brassou. Brassou is spelled B-R-A-S-S-U-S. Brassou, the last S is kind of silent. Um, at least I hope it is, and I'm not making an ass of myself, but I'm pretty sure that's how I've always heard it pronounced. I do not speak French. Um, but uh, I've been fortunate enough to get these uh, gratis from our friends at Feldmar, the greatest AD west of the Mississippi. Uh, and I've signed up to receive them online. You can get them online. They will send these to you for free, the hard copy. And this is an excellent, excellent, like, you know, hard stock print stuff. They've got some really amazing stuff. Blancpain, I think everybody knows about like the, the ocean commitment piece if you follow. And, you know, if you don't and you start looking into them, you'll see the ocean commitment thing is the big dive watch thing. But the other sort of cultural thing that they're really into is um, fine cuisine. And that's something you don't think about when you think about like, you know, luxury watches, but it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, they talk about that in these magazines. Anyway, I, I recommend everybody go and just look that up. It's uh, it's available. I'm almost positive when you go to the uh, the Blancpain's website. But if you just look up you know, leave Blancpain out of it. Just letters du Brassou. It will take you to the landing page where you can sign up for free. And it's probably a lot easier, you know, than getting this printed. Um, but you can, you know, download and read the online version. And it's pretty cool. And it's, uh, it's basically, it's cheap and easy. By cheap, I mean, I'm, I'm almost 100% that it's free still. It was for me. And, uh, there's a lot of really great information and kind of cool stuff. So if you're listening to this and are like, Hey, I'm going to look into Blanc Pine finally. I think that's one of the the best places to look, to get some information, go directly to, is it directly to the horse's mouth? Go to the well. I don't know, but well, um, yeah, yeah. Take the horse, take the horse's mouth to the well. Yeah. Use, you know, fill in the blank with the metaphor of your choice. Mad but, uh, yeah, exactly. Check it out. Um, I think it's really cool. And, you know, the one that I'm holding is issue 18. I think they're up to issue 22 now. And again, I think it's, it's either an annual or a semi-annual and very cool thing. So that's, that's what I'm saying. That's cool. I love it. Uh, you have pointed out to me, I think once before, but I, I love that you have that. And it's actually, man, talk about like really tailor-made for, for you. I mean, talking about Blanc Pond and cooking. That's amazing. 
Yeah. Well, because I and you thought I was going to suggest looking into that article, right, about watches, the chef's watches. And that was also coincidentally something that, you know, Brodinky and I talked about. We kind of rated the celebrity chef watch collections. That's right. Yeah. I think we decided. Yeah. Guy Fieri probably is tops, but. Oh, yeah. 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 For all you SoCal folks or if you're into the food scene, there's an article. This is bonus recommendation, right? Eater L.A., I think, has a whole. Actually, it was pretty. I thought it was pretty interesting. It was a good sort of cross section of sort of watches and and chefs. Anyway, whole article on uh, Eater L.A. about L.A. chefs and what watches they wear. Yeah, totally. Well, that's good stuff, man. I think we thought I personally thought we'd probably go about 50 minutes with this tops and we're pushing like an hour and 20 odd. So it is probably time to hang them up. I need to yeah, go make it. Here's the hoping. Margarita. Here's the hoping that everybody downloads this episode before the other 17 Blanc Ponds watch episodes that are going to fill their feed. Yeah, listen to us first. And uh, again, <laughs> just like we said last time, if you've made it this far, um, we're going to ask you to uh, to go to uh, Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you use, rate and review. Please do leave us just a you know a one or two sentence review. Um, if you think we suck, you can say that but we'd prefer you don't. But uh, it really does help in terms of the algorithm because we are finding more and more people are telling us that, yeah, the the algorithm is what um, brought them that, uh, us to their attention. So that helps. Thank you. What do they say? If you, if you enjoy the show, send it to your friends. And if you hated the show, send it to your enemies. That's right. As long as your enemies <laughs> are watch people or, or beer and wine people. It's all good. We'll take them all. That's it. All right, brother. Well, hey, it's good to see you. Let's have this be the final sip. Cheers to you. Salute. Salute. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. 